Hi, this is Jamie Cullen, and you're listening to Jazz's Backstage Pass. And I'm your host, Brian Zimmerman. My very special guest today is pianist and vocalist Jamie Cullum. That's right, the best-selling UK jazz artist of all time. It has been five years since the release of Jamie's previous album, Interlude, and now he's out with a brand new disc called Taller, that is, in many ways, a stylistic reinvention for the 39-year-old Grammy-nominated musician. Just listen for yourself. This is one of the tunes from the album. It's called Usher. And as you can hear, it finds Jamie in an exciting and funky new territory. The album was released on June 7th on Blue Note Records. Colm said that the title came from an aspect of his relationship with his wife, the actress and writer Sophie Dahl, who, by the way, happens to be the granddaughter of author Roald Dahl. Colm stands about 5 feet 5 inches. His wife Sophie, meanwhile, is 6 feet tall. The title track of the album is all about measuring up emotionally and intellectually, and how real stature has nothing to do with height at all. Thematically, the disc is far-reaching yet profoundly deep. Colm has songs on this album about social media, about Brexit, and about the constant battle within the self that is the creative process. It's another great installment from this platinum-selling artist. And though he's come a long way since the release of his first album in 1999 at the age of 19, an album that pressed just 500 copies, mind you, he's still very much an adventurous spirit with a lot to say. We spoke via telephone while he was in London, and like all good Londoners, we picked up the conversation talking about what else, the weather. This is Jamie Cullum, everybody. Let's take it backstage. Very, very miserable here in the UK. It's grey and raining and uh, typical British weather today. That pr- typical British summer is happening right now, I'm afraid. Wow. Well, we certainly feel you because here in Florida, it's also grey and miserable and it's been raining all weekend. Oh. So how perfect. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we right. can I'm, I'm, I'm almost pleased to hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Jamie, first of all, for taking the time to do this. I remember very distinctly when your previous record came out, Interlude. I was working with another uh, jazz magazine at the time. Um, And when it came came across my desk, I listened to it like nonstop for a week. I absolutely loved it. I love seeing you, you know, back in the more or less straight ahead uh, jazz vein. Um, And so when Taller debuted uh, just last week, I mean, you completely floored me again, but with a completely different sound. Um, Really, it is so awesome. It's, you know, a lot of people are saying... It has the kind of freshness and the energy of a debut album because um, this is you going back to original music. It's there's pop on there, there's funk, there's folk, there's gospel. You know, it's just an entirely new direction for you, and and I love it. I heard that you know initially when you set out to record this project again in the five years between your previous album, you were thinking of something entirely different. You you went in one way and came out. Yeah, yes, it was a, it was an odd process, uh, and um, I'm still finding it hard to describe um, because I had started making songs. If you you know, right after Interlude, I started creating some songs, and you know, they were coming together in the traditional sense quite well. They felt 
they felt good, they sounded good, you know, the lyrics all fit together and people were liking them. It's like, oh, yeah, this ought to be good for this and this ought to work on radio and great, this album's going to be great, you know. And, um, it, like, you know, I've got to say, it kind of coincided with a period of my life where um, things weren't fitting together so well and there's no tidy answer to that. There's no... Um, there's nothing obviously I can tell you that, oh, it's because this happened in my life right. or, you know, it, it just, all I can say is that I had these songs and they did not, it did not feel like they reflected remotely where I was as a man. And where I was as a man was uh, a little lost, actually, a lot lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just, maybe I was out, I feel like I was out there looking for answers when possibly there were answers. Um, and, you know, married to someone who's very emotionally open and very honest. And I was struggling to kind of match that. And I think in a, in a long-term relationship, it's to be, if it's to be successful, you, 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 you know, if you haven't done your emotional housekeeping, then, um, things can come apart. And I, I, I definitely felt like that was something I needed to do. Um, and so during that time, um, I actually really stepped away from those songs and stepped away really from thinking about like what my next album was going to be. I kind of dropped the idea for a bit, just mm. focus more on my life um, and my role as a, as a husband, as a parent. Uh, and, you know, I had to realize I had quite a lot of work to do. Um, and again, as I said, very much encouraged by, um, you know, a very the, the strong, interesting, kind of powerful woman that I married to also happens to be taller, taller than me, hence, mm-hmm. the, uh, hence the title of the album and the song. Um, and really, it was after quite a bit of time, um, you know, focusing on that, that I, I started writing songs again. And the first song that arrived, kind of fully formed, was a song called Drink. Okay. Um, and that seemed to have a fresher honesty to it than anything I'd written for a long time. And it just seemed to me at that point that I had to discard those other songs that they weren't, they didn't have a place on whatever this was going to be. Because I felt like if they didn't match drink in terms of openness and, and more kind of emotional kind of honesty, then um, that was my watermark as well. That was my kind of hat to hang the rest of the album on. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of that song. Let's take a listen to Drink, Jamie Cullum's new album, Taller. They say about love and affection I'll open my eyes to a dawn That is flowing with, flowing with, flowing with Drink, drinking it all of the sun Shine, reminding ourselves that there's no Really, actually, the other interesting thing was that I, I I wrote ten songs really, and I didn't write thirty songs to choose my ten faves. I wrote ten songs. I knew it had to be all originals, and I knew I wasn't going to be constrained by thinking about what genre anything was going to be. Right. Thinking about, well, my last record was a jazz record. Maybe I should do. Maybe I should play some more solos, or or you know, get some guest solos or something. I just thought, no, the song. In order to be honest, I'm going to let the song be. The, 
the one that needs to speak. And if, if the song needs to be simple, if it needs to be complicated, if it needs some interesting chord movements, then so be it. But the, the song is going to tell me what it needs to be. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, this certainly seems like, um, at least to my ears, your most personal album yet. Um, and the lyrics, a lot of these lyrics uh, read like poetry. Um, and, with, you know, as is so often the case with... Um, you know, songs or poems that are extremely personal, they have this universal appeal, right? Like everyone and can relate to them. I mean, we'll take the, the title track, you know, just on a personal level, I also hover around like the five, seven mark. Um, and my two younger brothers are both uh, over six feet tall. So, you know, I've taken a lot of pictures on my tippy toes. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, it, you know, it's, as, is, as is so often the case, like I said, there's so much more going on thematically there um in that song of you know obviously that your wife uh sophie doll is taller than you but but like you say it's about wanting to be a good partner um in terms of emotional availability and support and yeah you know accepting of mm. yourself so even as i listen to that song and again you know my wife in the right pair of high heels is is taller than me um but just mm. it, it made me think about so much about you know being quote unquote taller available to my wife, to my daughter. I've got another daughter on the way. I know you've got two daughters. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting time to be a man as well. I think, um, I, I'm not entirely sure whether it's, it's as much of a conversation in the U S but I'm, I'm guessing it is. I think I've certainly noticed amongst the men of my generation that there is a, there is an open door to, share your vulnerability a bit more and mm. see it more as a superpower, not, not really a weakness. Right, right. Um, and I, it's, it's really, it's really, you know, realizing that for me felt like it, it gave me a lot more power. And, you know, we're still, we're still figuring that out. It's not perfect. Of course it's not, it probably never will be, but it is, it feels like a, it feels like a fresh, a fresh moment. And, you know, you talk about emotional availability. I think that's the, that's the perfect way to put it, you know, because I, it's a new skill. It's, mm -hmm. it's a new skill. And I think for so long music and kind of being creative was my kind of outlet for that. And actually I think the, you know, I really learned that actually if, if my outlet for that is only music, then it's fine if you're single. Right. And fine if you don't have kids, but actually, you know, you need to allow that emotional availability into your life. And, you know, one of the, you know, I think I would let so much out on stage and then maybe be more, introverted like in real life and actually that's no it's no good to be married to someone like that mm -hmm. it's just not it's just not fair right um and you know kind of in integrating that into my life is, is really really what this album is, is about all right so why don't we go ahead and listen to the title track this is taller realize something and you're missing me now we Trying to fight the fight more eloquently Now you I'm bending beautifully to both the part So please Let me take you through this glorious time So I don't measure up I was sober and furious Weighing all my life So hand me a rope Will I climb, will I choke Alive. I wish I was 
know, it's so interesting that you say that because I didn't make this connection before, but you know, what you're talking about, uh, you know, strength and vulnerability and letting yourself be open and vulnerable. I think people's inability to do that, you know, around the world has led to uh, some of the stresses, some of the like uh, political turbulence that we find ourselves in. Um, which I know you addressed directly on another just beautiful track that literally gave me goosebumps, um, Age of Anxiety. I mean, when Mm -hmm. the children's choir comes in at the end and sings that lyric, Only Love Survives (laughs) Us, I really, truly got uh, goosebumps. Um, Thank you so much. It's a real wonderful compliment. Thank you. It was beautiful, and and it touches on the theme of just the world where we're in a state of anxiety now we don't we can't really put our fingers on why and we're looking for someone to point to you know it's about that in general it's about about brexit kind of in specific you really you really articulated a lot of the world's stresses very very eloquently and i know that's not easy well i mean i'm, I'm really glad it's come over that way i mean look, i had the title long before i had the song i want to oh, write wow. a song called the age of anxiety um, and I knew that it was a song ready to be written. I would literally, you know, I said to someone at my record label, for example, they said, have you got any more songs? It's funny enough, I've got a song coming called The Age of Anxiety. I went, oh, that's a great title. I said, I know. I said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm still writing the song. And actually, I kind of, all I had was, um, you know, a tiny victory in The Age of Anxiety is to just like be able to love someone. Wow. Um, because actually sometimes anxiety can, you know, lead you to not be able to love people. And I think so many of the things that are happening that are so polarizing in the world right now are due to a lack of uh, ability to, um, to you know, sh- share problems and things that are, are, are troubling. And, and, you know, I mean, dare I say it, some of our world leaders are the, are the mm-hmm. literal, um, uh, you know, they're, they're like the ultimate example um, of that, and I think I used I I looked inward to look outward. I think that was the way I decided. That, well, look, let's talk about things that made me anxious. You know, is my, how's my career going to go after this? You know, is it, is it going to? I want to go back to the days when my first record came out and it exploded, or is it going to? I'm going to put this record out and people going, yeah, that doesn't sound like the first one. I'm not interested. You know, finding old text messages from Amy Winehouse and an old BlackBerry a year ago gave me the chills like just made me so just I just fell apart with with the sadness for having you know for her having been lost to the the way she she was and not being able to help her Um, you know thinking about whether my I'm raising my children right you know all the little decisions you have to make are we getting this right or are we fucking them up you know Um, so using that as an opportunity to go to and then look outwards I think was the key once I realized that and I think the main being able to do that now is purely from having more confidence as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of that track, Age of Anxiety, from uh, Jamie Cullum's new album, Taller. I just want to live inside sometimes Don't want to have to beg you to subscribe Are you a man before your father dies? But what's a man these days I hear you cry And are we raising up our children right Is my career gonna reignite 
See all the virtue signalers tonight I want that bandwagon to pass me by Well, I've been scratching around in the dirt Looking for meaning in the cold, cold earth So gather in what's left of your self-worth Cause only love is what survives of us Cause I hold on to you You hold on to me A tiny victory In the age of anxiety as I said, it's just a stunningly beautiful song. Um, as a songwriter, who were some of your influences? Where do you draw inspiration from? So I think, you know, I look at people that I feel had songwriting confidence really early on. So I look at Regina Spector, for example. Sure. There is someone who I think had songwriting confidence from day one. And I'm sure she's got her own arc of her own confidence. But when I hear her first record, I hear someone who was like, I am a songwriter and that is what I do. For me, you know, you know, one of my first songs I wrote was All at Sea, which was on 20-something, and obviously that actually was a successful song, but it felt like a fluke. Mm. Uh, I didn't feel like I was a songwriter. It felt like I had, a, I had a, a, a fluke. And really, it wasn't until the song Gran Torino um, that I started to feel like I had some confidence of putting a certain amount of poetry to music and using, you know, like devices that you would use in, in writing, uh, you know, in order to to say something that is, I don't want to say universal, but something that right. when you hear it, you go, oh my God, I feel, I feel like that. And, right. Oh, I didn't know anyone else felt like that. Or, wow, I've never heard it put that way. But actually, you know, where you always feel like you're being let into a secret and you've got the secret inside you too. You know, when I hear Tom Waits songs or Nick Cave songs or when I hear Jay-Z rapping on that last amazing album he made, it was so personal. You just, you just even though I've lived a totally different life to his, I just feel you know, you, you feel that kind of shared pain of what it means to be a human being on this planet and feel lost, you know, even if you're the, the first music rap's first billionaire and, you know, you're talking about the pain he felt like his mother not being able to admit that she was, you know, a, a gay woman and I just, it's just, you know, I love, I love that when you look inward and it also looks outward. It's, it's what music can do and it's what jazz musicians do when they improvise. Um, it's what, um, it's what Sonny Rollins can do when I've seen him just communicate that pain. Right. So it's what yeah, Wayne Shorty yeah. does. In, in, it's what, yeah, it's what Wayne Shorty can do in three notes that, you know, that, that people can only dream of doing in a thousand notes, you know? Um, it's, that's, it's what, it's what, what I want to try and do really. Well, and it's absolutely what I love about your music. You know, it's, it is kind of finding this universal thread. You know, despite genre, despite category, um, and it all seems to work, which is why I love, like I say, you've got this, you've got gospel um, on this record. Monster is, you know, in many ways a gospel song, Age of Anxiety. Um, but then you turn up the funk, Jamie. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> Usher is a banger, man. Um, you know, Usher is, um, it's funny, I was just uh, talking to John Regan at Keyboard Magazine and, and um, he kind of, he said, is this the outlier of the record? And, <laughs> you know, lyrically, and in a funny, in a funny way, you know, it's kind of not because um, it comes from something my wife said when our babies were very little and I was away on tour and, you know, I think she's just having a moment where she's just 
were struggling. You know, the babies were, were little and it was dark outside. It was early. She was exhausted. I was away. She was with a friend of hers who had a baby as well. And the pop star Usher was on the television and she looked at the challenge and went, God, I used to know Usher. And she just like, it was this moment of like, my God, my life is so different to the one I was leading when I was 21, you know. Yeah. And um, it, was a, it was a line that was kind of full of like, I don't know how to describe it, not exactly sadness, but just that feeling of time passing and how actually youth is such a fleeting moment that we, we don't quite know how to enjoy until it's gone. Um, and that song is kind of about that. It's about Usher appearing to me in a dream, telling me that, you know, really, you know, we, life can be very painful, but we have to love people around us and our communities and embrace the people around us because... You know, and, and and go to the party sometimes, and try and lead a life of truth, and then actually life can be pretty beautiful. Well, I know we listened to Usher a little bit at the beginning of this podcast, but it's just too good not to hear again. So let's cue up Usher from Jamie Collins' album Taller. Take me down to no man's land tonight. To find my garden under the flashing lights I met him in Tribeca in 2002 He told me, love is the truth inside of life It's cool uh, So get me a time machine To relive my dreams So get me a time machine To relive my dreams Again, it's so funny with the personal becoming universal. Um, when my wife and I were pregnant with our first daughter, you know, we were going, we, she was probably like seven, eight months pregnant. And we were going through all the things we had to do to prepare um, and just stressing out about all that and, you know, thinking, you know, we're really going to be responsible for another life. And, you know, this is really, we're becoming adults in true sense of the word now. And one night we just went through an Usher rabbit hole. I mean, hours yeah. in bed watching Usher YouTube yes, videos please. because... <laughs> We just kind of, you're exactly right. We wanted to, we, yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. We wanted to just feel good and revisit simpler times and just, so yeah, it's um, another way that the. One of my, actually, one of my favorite, favorite songs is a Dutch song called Climax. Yeah. Which I love that song. It's such a, such a great song. I mean, I love all his big hits too, but that song Climax, so that's a really, that's a really sweet story. And it's exactly the kind of thing you do when, uh, you, you know, the, the baby's kind of ready to come out. You kind of, you, it's a real kind of that nesting time is um, mm-hmm. and going down those funny holes of things. <laughs> it's a wonderful, it's, yeah. a, it's yeah. one of very romantic, I think actually. Did you, have you ever met Usher? I mean, has he been a personal influence on you? Or? No, yeah. no, I've, I've, ne- I've never met him. I've just, I've seen him from afar and just thought he was just obviously brilliant. Well, that's your next collaboration then, Jamie. I mean, you and Usher on a yeah, Mark Ronson track. <laughs> That's it. Or maybe we get Usher to record a jazz album, a straight-ahead jazz tune. I bet he could. 
I bet he He's could, but no, we, we don't need him to do that. <laughs> we don't need to do that. We've got way too many people making jazz albums. <laughs> We've got too many of them anyway. <laughs> there you go. Um, another song I want to talk about, um, because it's such a, present in, a presence in my and everyone else's life, is, is Life is Grey, which talks more or less mm-hmm. about uh, social media and how the internet yeah. and social media has kind of erased nuance in our lives and mm, we, yeah. we just reduced everything to black and white. Um, you know, mm. I, with, when it comes to social media, I always go back and forth. I, I say, this is a day I'm getting a flip phone. I'm quitting social media. You know, I'm giving it all up. Yeah. But at the same time, I see how it's so necessary and can have a, a positive impact, you know, in people's life. Yeah. Um, how do you relate to social media? It's I feel like it's such a double double edged sword um, today. I feel, like, I feel exactly the, I feel exactly the same way. Um, and actually, right now, having just released the album, it came out in America at the same time, right? It's actually out now in yep, America. Yep, Is that right? Yep, June seventh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so um, I've been getting uh, more of a conversation has started between me and my uh, you know my fans, I guess, people that listen to my music, where things are being discussed about like what's coming up in the music and how how they are related to it. You know, a bit like we're having the conversation now and I feel a very positive conversation happening. And it's not just because they're praising me for the music, but people are talking about things that are are difficult and maybe it's open to conversation and that's where it starts to feel like a very valuable tool. But I think in terms of discussion it can so often feel like um you know, we're caught in our echo chambers mm-hmm. and people are just kind of shouting each other. We're, we're presenting the, what seems like the best of ourselves, but often we're just presenting the worst of ourselves and we're making everyone feel like they're inadequate. I mean, look, I, I lead, I lead a, a, a charmed life in so many ways, but I can go on social media and look at what someone else is doing and feel like right. that I've got nothing. Do you know, that I, like nothing is what, and it just, it feeds, it feeds that very worth with the compare and despair in you, sure. But actually, I think the main thing, and one of the reasons why I don't have um, social media on my phone is because mm. the addictive quality to it doesn't allow you to be bored. Right. And actually letting your thoughts uh, wander, for me, is a real death to creativity, I think, Boredom is so important, and it's something I'm trying to teach my kids. It's like you've got to learn to be bored because, trust me, that is where the gold is. Right. You know that is where the gold is, and I think you know we can talk about the loss of nuance. You know, it's a, you know it's a New York Times article in, 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 in waiting, isn't it? It's definitely there, and it's exactly what life is grey is about. But we can also talk about the fact that it takes up way too much of our time growing space. <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. And that we try to do, you know, no phones at dinner time. We try our best to do a, a screen free Saturday as well. But, um, but I think the song really captures exactly what you were talking about is the kind of dual aspect of social media, because it's almost two songs, you know, kind of stitched together. It, it starts in a very slow tempo. And then by the end, it's, it's picking up into that kind of, um, up-tempo groove. So, uh, it was, uh, a, a another highlight for me from this disc and um again just connected with it on all kinds of levels let's actually listen to a little bit if you don't mind once again this is the tune life is gray only yesterday i told myself that life is gray didn't make me sad Made me feel human 
Only yesterday, I told myself that love is green, greener than the trees growing in my bedroom. Made me want to lose myself, lose myself in a song about the sun. All the many things that I don't understand, like I did since I was young. Um. Jamie, I wanted to end uh, kind of talking about the the state of UK jazz right now, which in a lot of ways I feel like is at the center of the world, um, you know, with you and also with the rise of uh, young artists like Shabaka Hutchings and Moses Boyd and Ubaya Garcia, Theon Cross. Um it's really, it's really been the center of the jazz conversation. Um, and when I, what I hear from a lot of these players in, in their interviews is kind of a mix of feelings. You know, um, on the one hand, uh, they're like, you know, we're very grateful that the spotlight is on us. But on the other hand, it's like we've been doing this for years and it's about time the rest of the world uh, has caught on, you know. Um, have you enjoyed, you know, watching this young crop of players come up and do their thing? I feel like London is where LA was, um, you know, several years ago of just really making some funky, you know, inventive, bold, creative music. Absolutely. I mean, if I think about the kind of time I've been listening to jazz, you know, from the age of 50, you know, we had, uh, talking about the artists that didn't feel like American artists that mm-hmm. felt like they could kind of only exist in the UK. So a lot of influences of what was going on uh, from the, um, you know, formerly kind of immigrant community of right. London, uh, you know, whether it was uh, Caribbean or Jamaican or, you know, that, that kind of that kind of culture that just is, is, is born of this amazing cultural me- melting pot that, that, that the UK is. You know, Courtney Pine was there years ago. Then mm-hmm. we had Soweto Kinch, and, you know, so many others, whether it's Joe, Joe Harrier or you know, various others. But I think now um, there is this, there's so many young musicians who are, they don't have the same cultural baggage as a, as a, as a negative term, I think, to say. But I think in America, obviously, there is this tradition of jazz that is, is a, an absolute part of your legacy. It's, it's your gift. Mm-hmm. It's your artistic gift to the world. And, of course, we have that in the U.K., but also these young youngsters that you're talking about, because they are they are super young. They're out in London every night listening to, uh, you know, they're going to grime. They're going to grime right. concerts. Uh, they're listening to UK garage, to two step, to the kind of electronic music that kind of bubbles and grows within the the, the UK community within the, within the cities that is so vibrant and alive and all the different radio stations that now exist, whether it's MTS or Worldwide FM or various others. And they are feeling the, that, that joyous freedom of just being able to reflect the current culture with, through the lens of being sick jazz musicians. Yeah. And that is, that is what they're doing with it. You know? And again, it's, what, it's obviously what, what Glasper has been banging on about in the US for so long anyway, you know, kind of reflecting hip-hop. And again, you know, Roy Hargrove was doing before him what... Herbie was doing back in the 70s, uh, you know, before before everyone else was doing it, and what Miles wanted to do, of course. But 
in the UK right now, I think the the youthful music scene beyond jazz is so exciting, and jazz is reflect UK jazz is reflecting that as well. It's just this melting pot of and plus you've got venues, these pop up kind of venues where it's happening, and they feel like you know you go in there and you feel oh you know I go in there and I feel old. And that's a great feeling. It's a great feeling for me to go somewhere where musicians are improvising and I'm 39 and I feel old, you know? The kids are looking like young, trendy kids who are having a brilliant time and, you know, they don't have to get up the following morning. If they do, they're going to miss their lectures or, gonna, you know, they're going back to their mum and dad's house or whatever. And, you know, there's me having to get up at 6.30 with my kids. You know, it's like, right. it's happening. It's youthful. It's exciting. Plus, they can really play. They can really play. And that's the key, right? Absolutely. And listen, yeah. they, they have a role model in you, man, in that, you know, just not afraid to tear down genre walls and to find, just like we were talking about, that universal spirit in Wayne Shorter or Tom Waits or Jay-Z, you know, influence from everywhere. So very, very happy to see. Super cool. Super cool to you say that. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome, Jamie. Thank, thanks for my, uh, thanks for those really kind words about the record. It really touches me that it's uh, spoke to you in that way. So thank you. Yeah, I and, meant it all. Um, I truly again, the support you back. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Will you thank be coming you, to the States um, on this tour, Jamie? We will. We are we are organizing it as we speak. So I, I, I don't quite know how it's going to look yet, but we're we're trying to make it work. And that's obviously starts out as a family conversation before, before it gets to the edge. Right. But we're, we're, we're going to figure it out. And I'll definitely be coming to to, to to tour this album for sure. Very cool. everyone and that does it for another episode of jazz's backstage pass once again i'd like to thank my guest jamie cullum his new album taller is out now on blue note records it's available for purchase and streaming wherever you get your music you know if you want even more jamie you can tune into his weekly radio show on bbc radio 2 the show is called the jazz hour with jamie cullum learn more at bbc.co.uk now I'd like to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. The label has just released a new record by drum legend Al Foster. It's called Inspirations and Dedications. Check it out online at smokesessionsrecords.com. Thanks also to Blue Note Records. In addition to Jamie's new album, they've also got an album by Nora Jones out right now called Begin Again. To learn more, visit bluenote.com. And thank you to ECM Records, which this year celebrates its 50th anniversary. They've got a new concert recording of Keith Jarrett playing solo Bach from 1987. To learn more about that album and all the other great stuff coming out on ECM, visit ecmrecords.com. Another big thanks to the online streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform to check out our latest. Visit deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Our playlists also appear on Cobuzz, another one of our sponsors. This is a high-res streaming service that is the premier destination for audiophiles looking to stream music online. Visit Cobuzz to learn more. That's Q-O-B-U-Z.com. Another thanks to jazzradio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. Visit jazzradio.com to check it out. 
Thanks also to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey. On the calendar for them in November, a performance by Chaka Khan. It's taking place November 14th. For tickets and more info, visit NJPAC, that's NJPAC.org. Lastly, we'd like to thank the U.S. Navy Band Commodore's Jazz Ensemble, currently celebrating their 50th anniversary. They've got concert dates around the country. If you want to catch them in action, visit our website and click the Navy Band Commodore's banner. There is so much more great jazz content on our website, jazzes.com, including all of the articles we feature in our quarterly print magazine. You'll need a subscription to see them, and fortunately, we offer a free 14-day trial that lets you test drive everything on our site for two weeks. After that, all access digital subscriptions start at just $24.95 for the entire year. That's less than 3 bucks a month for the greatest jazz stories in the world. Visit jazzes.com to subscribe. All right, that'll do it for me, everyone. I'll see you next time.